Talking Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. Season 8, Episode 4, Cullen Bunn. Welcome along to Talking Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. My name is Len Sultana and each and every Sunday we talk Comic-Cons, con culture and all the stuff and nonsense that we get to enjoy at such events uh, when they happen. Considering, I think we're looking at a fair old while until we can actually uh, meet up again. I know there are some small events that are happening, but uh, I think those are getting slowly but surely shut down as the numbers continue to get all over the place. So we are waiting on the, that uh, time when we can all kind of meet up and gather in uh, person again. Virtual conventions are still happening though, so at the end of the show we are going to be talking about um, a couple of events that are coming up. We've got Star Trek Day that's happening this week, and of course next weekend is going to be the part two of DC Fandom. So we're going to get into that as well with a whole bunch of uh, a look down at some of the schedule and see what uh, people can get up to. But um, as always, we uh, do our best to uh, get on board uh, some people to talk to us. And uh, we've got ourselves someone who is someone I've been waiting and looking forward to getting on board for a while. Uh, he's a, an award-winning comics writer. Uh, you'll probably know him from uh, works such as The Six Gun, uh, Harrow County, uh, The Damned, uh, Punk Mambo. And for myself, I'm a big fan of the books he did for the Marvel Star Wars run as well. Uh, but we're going to get into all sorts of uh, bits and pieces because we are talking to Cullen Bunn. Hello there, sir. How the devil are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Yeah, it's been a long time coming, this one, considering that I think the the only time I've actually seen and met you in real life was when you came over for the MCM London uh, show in 2018. And so it was a weird one. Two reasons. Number one, because uh, I was hosting and I, I knew that I'd got a lot on my plate. Uh, they, they really loaded my, my timetable up with a lot of stuff, but I thought I'd had enough time to talk to you. So on literally, I think it was the Wednesday or the Thursday when you'd set up your table and we our paths crossed. I said, "I'll have a chat with you. We'll we'll chat. we never saw each other again for the rest of the weekend. It was right, so, yeah. embarrassing. <laughs> so so embarrassing. But it was a it was a weird a weird show for me because that's the one uh, where my luggage got lost uh, oh, on the way to the show. So I came and I was like, uh, the the. The, the convention organizers were nice enough to give me like some t-shirts and some sweatshirts and stuff but it took a few days for my luggage to actually arrive i i ended up going uh the the night we got there and we got there relative i mean it wasn't late but it wasn't early either uh we ended up rushing to a mall and buying some uh buying some some ill-fitting clothes so that i could uh at least change clothes for the convention <laughs> what was that show like for you considering that i mean I, I'm an MCM supporter. I work for MCM or I've done work for MCM. Um, but that one was a weird one because it was the first year that the that Reed Pop had just taken the show over. Or it was the first year that they really kind of put their stamp on things for the, with the, the buying of MCM. Um, MCM had been known and still is to some degree as a pop culture con. So right. this was the first year that they... And they threw a gob ton, an absolute bucket load of money on some real high quality guests uh, when it comes to comics and comic writers and comic artists and they flew them all in but it was still a case of the mcm crowd like going um okay what are they doing here uh what's what's going on how did it how was it for you for that show it yeah you could, weird. 
Yeah, you could feel that vibe for sure. And I've been to many, you know, many shows where uh, where they've done that that thing. Either they they used to be mainly pop culture, and then they added comics, or there were comics, and then they really went crazy adding the pop culture. And uh, and I could tell there was still, uh, and I don't know what it's like now, but there was still the need to kind of fuse those things together a little bit. You know, we were, I think the comics folks were all over in one area and yeah. then they're like an entire hallway, you know, like a corridor dividing from the other pop culture area and the gaming. Um, and that's, that's part of that is just the nature of the venue, which it was a cool convention center, but, but it's, the space was just set up in that way. But yeah, it would have been, it, you could tell that uh, there was a little bit of a disconnect and there were even people coming up through the weekend that didn't even know there were comics folks there until they happened to stumble into that area of the convention hall. But, you know, it was fairly busy the entire time. Uh, I feel like I was a little, uh, it's hard for me to comment because I, I feel like I was a little out of sorts the entire convention, like just everything. I didn't, you know, it's like little things. I didn't have a tablecloth, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's, you know, usually I bring that stuff because traveling overseas, I didn't want to, you know, I was trying to pack a little lighter. So, you know, there were things like that that just put me, uh, that didn't put me on my best game. So everybody else's, their booths all look beautiful because they were smart <laughs> enough to bring tablecloths. Something as simple as a tablecloth. And then mine, I get, I give them the wood, the wood affair. You know, you got the, the I, do, I don't know because, uh, I mean, MCM were a little unsure about how to approach the comics talent at that point. I mean, they booked them in and that was great. But um, yeah. there was, uh, there were people, some high quality guests that were just, there with handwritten signs kind of like blue tacked to the front of their table because there was no real prep. It was very, very, it was a very odd convention. Well, but then, well, yeah. So there's this kind of like, some like spit and sawdust um, kind of vibe to it. And then you turn your eyes and there's Jeff Darrow and there's Frank Miller and the, it, it, it's so strange, so strange. Yeah. But there well, we now, go. Anytime, you, anytime I travel a dis any distance to a convention is a little weird because getting, you know, I actually, I bring a lot of books usually and I try to set up and have things for people to, to pick up if they want to. But that was even more weird because I, you know, I was lucky enough to, to work with a couple of local comic shops that managed to get, you know, get books for me that I was able to have at my table. Cool. But, uh, but yeah, it's a, uh, you know, setting up for conventions, any convention for me is always a, uh, an ordeal. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, we'll get, we'll get into my least favorite part of a convention. Least really? favorite part is getting it yeah. set up. Well, we'll get into your convention background in a second. I mean, I've been trying to start this this run of uh, talking con with three questions, so we'll do, we'll do the three. Number one, I've got my tea. What beverage do you have to hand? What is your cup of tea today? Do you have a coffee? What, what do you have to hand? I have a bottle of water, and I I actually poured a pint uh, of beer before I came on. I was like, you know what? I, I can't go for it, man. It's too it's too early. So I drank that real quick and brought the bottle of water in. So. <laughs> uh, I believe the, what's the phrase? It's always six o'clock somewhere. That's um, right. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's question number one. Question number two, um, can you remember your first uh, convention? Can, uh, and did you go as a pro or as, as, as a fan? So, I mean, it, it, I was going to conventions when I was very young, um, both uh, uh, as, uh, you know, I, I was going to, to very little, what I call hotel room conventions, which is really, you know, where a bunch of dealers set up and, and, uh, I lived in a relatively small town. So that was a big deal to have a convention like that. And I would go and buy, buy you know, quarter comics and, and just, uh, you know, just go crazy there. But then uh, I think the first, 
uh, real, like bigger convention I went to was Heroes, uh, Heroes Con in Charlotte. I don't know what year it was. I was very young. I remember I took books and had Rick Leonardi sign some books for me. Nice. Um, uh, that's the only signature I remember getting. Um, and I'm, I'm almost, I know it was in Charlotte, so I'm, I'm 98% sure it was a Heroes Con, but I don't remember what year it was. Um, but yeah, I was, you know, so I was going to conventions like that, um, mainly very small shows until I was a little older. Um, and then I went to a few, a few shows as a pro, you know, as a, in a well, between then I started going to Gen Con. Uh, in Milwaukee as a gaming fan. I was going to there. I was going there for a while uh, just as a fan. And then as I started to really try to break in in comics, I was going to some Wizard World shows and uh, uh, the Chicago Rosemont show was the big one for me when I was really breaking in because it was close enough for me to travel too easily. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, then I started going to a lot more shows, obviously, as I started getting more work and trying and trying to get more work. I was going to a lot of the bigger shows. I also used to go to World Horror Con a lot. Before I was going to a lot of a lot of uh, comic book conventions, I was going to World Horror Con every year. That was my go-to convention uh, because I was uh, just hanging out with all the horror writers. That's pretty cool. And um, the question I've also been asking is when you have been going to conventions, and this isn't necessarily your first convention or any of those early ones, but even going as a pro, can you remember any wobbly knees moments, those moments where you've met an idol or uh, somebody that you've admired and just got, uh, uh, and the brain has just taken a, a three steps to the left kind of moment? Uh, yeah, I mean, so many. I mean, let's, I mean it, there were, there's so many of those occasions. I, uh, I remember going to, um, again, World Horicon in New York City. It was my first trip to New York City, too, and meeting... Uh, uh, John Skip, who was a, a who was a writer that I really admired, and uh, and I got real I got real nervous talking to him, and he was super gracious and kind, and uh, and invited me to lunch with him, and that kind you know that was so that was really weird. Um, at comic book conventions, I think I got a little misty eyed when I met Michael Golden for the first time, oh, and, I went, wow. uh, and you know he's he was an interesting cat because. Everybody kept telling me, "Oh yeah, he's such a curmudgeon. He's so grumpy. He's such a you know," <laughs> and uh, and that seemed. By the way, that seems to be the the word on every comic book creator. Oh, such a curmudgeon, such a curmudgeon. So I went over because I was so, I was such a huge fan of his work and started talking to him. He was so kind and so gracious, and you know we we started talking about everything except you know everything around comics and our lives and everything else. And I, I think I got a little misty eyed. Uh, in that uh, in that conversation, I, I I think I turned my head so he wouldn't see me uh, <laughs> get misty. Uh, and Stan Sakai, um, he came over uh, at a convention. He came up to my table, whoa, and and told me he enjoyed uh, Harold County and the Six Gun, and that was uh, you know that was a huge deal for me. So uh, yeah, I mean, and I'm sure there's there will be plenty more in the future, but uh, yeah, but they're all curmudgeons, so just. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, that's uh, it's like um, I was talking to uh, Mike Hawthorne yesterday. Um, I, I, thankfully, my DJ training has kind of kept me from really losing the plot when it comes to doing interviews and hosting panels. And I, I kind of switch into uh, alternate Leonard mode. Um, I go from me to 
DJ Lenny and it, I turn on the show and nothing right. really kind of ever goes off. But then I did a, a, the Q&A, the intimate Q&A. It was just 20 odd people and myself and Frank Miller and my brain just it just went out the door it just it just left and i just was left completely uh blown at that point but yeah fun and games yeah um we've got a whole bunch of people who are watching as always people guys if you have any questions for cullen um I, i've got a whole bunch but if you've got anything that you want to put forward do let us know uh, we've got uh, leanne who's joining us uh, we've got i mean by this point by the way they are all kind of talking to, to each other and saying hi and kind of catching up over the course of the week um but we do have uh, into the blue mister who does like uh, doing this one uh checking out the background of our guests and just seeing just how nerdy and geeky and what they've got to hand and uh yeah you're raising the bar on nerd background stuff uh, man so, i so don't know i see so many other uh, you know we've been doing a lot of zoom meetings over the last few months so i get to see a lot of other uh creator studios and offices and uh, and I'm always I always have a little bit of envy, but yeah, you know this is that's you know what you're seeing is just one little corner. You know if you were to look over here, you'd see my famous monsters and Fangorias and creepies on another spinner rack. And if you look over here, that's another shelf full of uh, uh, hard covers and trade paperbacks, and all my statues are up up, up above. Uh, so yeah, I like to surround myself with uh, and and then up here again is all my all original art from different comics I've worked on. Nice. So uh, I like to surround myself with uh, things that, uh, you know, that inspire me or that remind me of being a kid or remind me of being young. Uh, you know, I kind of have a, a flea market chic going on. Uh, you what, know. What, what's the line? I think it's Kevin Smith who turned around and said it's when you get to that point in your life uh, when you are just, if anything, you're going to conventions or you're going to comic book shops just to reclaim all that stuff that you got rid of when you were a kid. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you're just you're just regathering and you're just bringing back together. Uh, you do have um, also uh, into the blue mister and solicitors make trying to determine what the orange thing is. Uh, I mean, Leandy is saying it's an orange stuffed dog. This is to your this guy. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh that's Sammy from the movie Trick or Treat. So, uh, but this is a an animatronic. I uh, like a you know a, a Halloween animatronic I bought last year. My son and I put. A haunted house on in our garage and we had this little sammy he moves around and plays music and giggles and stuff like that but after halloween he was so cool i just couldn't get rid of him so i moved him <laughs> into my office and uh and now every time i walk into my office i jump because i forget he's standing there and there's a, a little you know a child-sized monster standing there if you haven't seen trick or treat now is the time that we're coming up on halloween season and that movie is amazing so I'm I'm really curious to see how this year is going to be for Halloween because I mean we this year we've almost abandoned all the holidays um, right. just because I, th I think there's almost this kind of high this sort of like this hibernation mentality everyone's just kind of bunkering down and just just let's just get this year out of the goddamn way and everyone's just kind of <laughs> and everyone's just bunkering down um and so i'm curious to see it, halloween is obviously is such a massive deal in the states it's certainly grown that way here in the uk as well that people are just wanting some kind of release and some kind of um <laughs> let's let's enjoy ourselves at least once before november um, right. and, and get that out of the way well um, look I have it's Halloween all the time for me. I you know in, in <laughs> here in my house, I have a Halloween village that I never take down. I just add to it throughout the year, and I don't even bother nice. taking it down. And I collect Halloween statues and vintage Halloween stuff. So it's it's a it's every day for me. But uh, 
but yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm a little worried because, you know, like I said, I did a haunted house with my son last year and it, it was such a hit in the neighborhood. We were really looking forward to doing it again. I think that's not going to happen this year. So yeah. we're trying to figure out what do we do? Do we set up something along the street that people can drive by? What, you know, so, uh, but we may, you know, who knows? It may just be a night of, uh, watching spooky movies all night fair enough sounds like a plan uh michael p cullen by the way it's your accent that disarms the curmudgeons just to let <laughs> you know just to let you know yeah um, that's it. uh i mean the one i've been seeing your face on a whole bunch i mean you're talking about zoom conversations and you've been talking about because uh, i've seen you a number of uh um, virtual conventions that you've been uh, showing up on as well and you've been talking a lot about how this year has been um for you as a creator um because I, I when we were just getting started and getting set up i said that you've been very busy uh this year and you actually said that you actually haven't felt that you have been uh no. over the course of the last couple of months i mean yeah why, uh, yeah it, it's definitely felt that you've been you it feels like you've been keeping busy but um obviously for yourself that's not the case it's it's been tough look you know being a being a comic creator the truth of it is it's a it's a game of peaks and valleys um and and I was doing, you know, there was a time in my life where it was all peak. And I was like, hey, this is awesome. Uh, but the last few years have been valleys in a big way. And uh, and I've had to really reassess my career and really what, uh, you know, what I'm going, you know, what I'm going to do and how I'm going to continue, you know, working in comics. Some of those some of those valleys are of my own making, you know, my own decisions and some are not. Um but this last last few months in particular, I have work that I could. A lot of a lot of my work was, you know, pencils down. Publishers weren't moving forward with anything, and some stuff. Some of my stuff is still in a pencils, you know, pencils down. Um, but I had work I could be doing. But I I think I got so stressed out and so depressed over the, the not just the state of the world, but some things that were going on in, in personal life that I just couldn't make myself work. I'd come down here into my office and I would sit on that couch over there and that's it. Or I'd sit here at my computer and do nothing. Um, and that was, you know, there were, there were at least a few months where I just don't know that I accomplished really anything. I came up with a lot of ideas of things I wanted to do. So maybe from that perspective, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was fruitful because sure. I came up with some pitches for, you know, for new series and things like that, but I wasn't working on, uh, the stuff I had to do. So now I'm a, I'm in a little bit of a catch up mode right now. You know, I'm, I've been busier the last couple of weeks because I need to, you know, I need to catch up. I need to, um, I need to, to recapture, you know, my, uh, my zest, you know, uh, the, the, the thing is I only typically I have one speed and that is I'm working nonstop full speed ahead. Catch me if you can. Yeah. Um, and the last few months, it's not been that way. Last couple of years, I think I've slowed down a little bit. But then the last the last few months, I've definitely kind of, uh, you know, it's like you're riding the bike, your bike really fast as a kid. And then you hit that bump and then you're just tumbling and then you just lay still on the ground for a little while. <laughs> I've been in the lay still on the ground for a little bit. So, well, now, I mean, it's safe to say in 2020, you're joining a whole population of people that are doing that. Peter yeah. Griffin. I mean, and, and I've always been one that, you know, especially aspiring creators would say, you know, what if I experience writer's block? And in the past, I've always been the one that says writer's block doesn't exist. No, I remember you it, saying no. that. But I got to be honest, there's nothing wrong with not being able to work right now. It's a tough time for a lot of people. 
So get through it however you can and get back at it when you can. So, I mean, the one way that you've been doing it, I know, has been a real um, reconnect with your audience. Um, and that's through, uh, through the Patreon page and through Deepest Catacombs, which I'm, I mean, I'm going to bring up on screen uh, so everyone can kind of uh, experience this because this is something particularly special. I mean, if you can just explain what Deepest Catacombs is, please, because um, it, is, it, is so, it is so much fun, um, yeah, the, a... the actual as a project. Yeah, it's uh, so when I was a kid, uh, Dungeons and Dragons was a huge part of my life. I, I mean, I still play, but Dungeons and Dragons was such a big part of my life. And uh, one of the things I remember is they used to run these one page comic book ads in comics. Uh, Bill Willingham did the majority, if not all of them. Um, and uh, and I love those little ads. I love them. It was a continuing story that you'd had to, you know, next month, the next page would come out. Uh, so I started doing Deepest Catacombs as uh, sort of an epic adventure story featuring a group of, you know, group of heroes uh, told in one-page ads for a role-playing game that never existed. So each, you know, each page looks like an ad or would be an ad that might appear in a comic. Uh, each page is drawn by a different creative or uh, different artist. Uh, so, so you're getting sort of a different vibe for every page. Um, and we're just, uh, we're telling, uh, I think in the end, it'll be about a 24 page. The first, what I'm calling the first chapter will be about 24 pages. Um, I, I was going to, I was going to ask, I mean, how, how planned is this? Uh, it, it very much, like you say, it's definitely uh, a story per page or is a, a definite, um, uh, it's a, it's a definite approach per page. Right. But, uh, how much of it has been planned and scripted? Uh, so all of wave one, the entire first chapter is scripted and in the hands of the artists who are drawing it. Um, so uh, I'm just really I'm waiting for art to roll back in and, and to release them at that point. The page that's on the screen right there is by uh, my friend Blackie Shepard. The page we saw earlier was by uh, AC Zamudio. So uh, and like I said, we're going to every page is different. Um, the, the Zamudios, uh, AC and, and Carlos, are doing the first and second page and the 23rd and 24th page. So they're sort of bookends. But other than that, all the artists are different. Um, a lot of established pros are going to be working on it, but then I'm also looking at some people who are trying to get their, you know, get their work out there, trying to, to get you know, their first few projects or, or underappreciated. So you've got new artists, uh, semi-pros, pros, you know, everything. Um, and yeah, and really, it's a fun project for me. Uh, I wrote that. Th there's, you know, I wrote that pretty quickly. I got that. I, you know, I I sat down and I just, you know, wrote those pages because it was a lot of fun for me. And it, and that project really helped me uh, sort of get my momentum back on working on the other stuff. Because I, I mean, some what I was going to ask you about is your process for somebody somebody who has been so busy. Because I wrote uh, hosted. Um, a writer's workshop recently for Ram V, uh, which is going to be part of the Thought Bubble online festival. Uh, I mean, most of it was uh, pure technical. So most of it went completely over my head uh, in terms of um, the, the the scripting, plotting, and getting all the, the, the jigsaw puzzle of uh, putting a, a place together. When you do have, or when you have had um, so much, uh, so many different projects on, on your plate, um, how far into story prep do you actually go and how far do you kind of map out your scripts now nowadays i mean do you are you somebody that likes to have like the the end 
episode, the end issue, pretty much as a goal, or is it something you like to discover on the way? Um, well, I usually have to know where I'm going with it. And, uh, you know, even with bigger projects like the Six Gun, which ran for 50 issues, or Harrow County, which ran 30 something issues, uh, I like to know how it begins. I like to know some sort of milestones along the way, and I like to know how, in theory, it's going to end. Um, and then I leave enough room to let some surprises happen in between those moments when I'm when I'm really I don't I don't over plan a big series like that, especially you know, uh, especially a big series. It's uh, there needs to be things that uh, that bubble up. You know, there need to be characters that you don't expect that you're going to love that you love and want to see more of. Uh, or, you know, angles that kind of surface that become that can in some ways change the story. Uh, but I always want to know uh, or have at least a fairly good idea of where that's going to, to end. Um, so I'm, I'm really curious how that worked with like Six Gun, because that was such a, a, a sprawling epic. And I'm, I'm curious to know how far you'd mapped that in advance uh, going um, into that. I knew how the first six issues were going to read. Right. I knew several big events that would take place over the course of the series. And when I say I knew, it was like, uh, you know, it was it was things like uh, Drake loses the guns. You know, that's it. You know, so I knew that character would lose the guns that he had at one point. Um, and I knew what the ending was. I, the end that that the way that series ended was how uh, Brian Hurt and I wanted to end that book from the very beginning, but along the way certain things changed. Uh, Gord Cantrell was a character who surfaces at the end of the first arc, became a major favorite character for both of us. Uh, Kirby Hale became a favorite character. He showed up in the second arc, so we kept him around and did more with him. Um, you know, certain you know certain villainous characters uh, kind of got more more play some dropped off uh but uh but there were you know there were there was plenty of room to kind of do some interesting stuff that we weren't expecting i mean there are arcs of that series and there's an arc where becky uses the power of the sixth gun and she travels to essentially alternate realities and that arc sort of came as a surprise to us it wasn't something that we had planned initially but we thought it would be a fun story to tell and could add something to the mythology. Uh, and so that all came up out of nowhere um, because initially we weren't sure how many issues we were going uh, to get. There was a time where we thought we're going to get six issues and that's it. Then we thought we might be getting 30 issues. So we were planning, we kind of kept it fluid so that we could, uh, you know, expand or compress the story as we needed to, uh, so that we would have a satisfying ending. Sure. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I, 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 it's something that I've been thinking about. Um, certainly, I mean, one of my favorite runs uh, over the course of this last couple of years has been Hellblazer, uh, which Science sure. Burry has done. And then oh, yeah. to have um, DC and Vertigo go through that massive upheaval over the last couple of weeks, and then uh, to have Science Burry's run cut incredibly short. Yeah. Um, and I read his blog post and I'm always really curious to hear from a writer how on earth you're supposed to pivot when you hear that that word that the, the, the run's going to come to a close well, and how on, how on earth you, when you've got something mapped out and you're just thinking, okay, how on earth 
do you right. do that? Well, it's tough. And I, you know, uh, I have this sort of sickness that I can't help but overthink and try to do more. You know, I get a story and I'm like, all right, let me, I'm planning issue 50. You know, I've got, I, I know what's happening, you know, from issue one to issue 50 or issue 60. And here are all the things I want to do because I came, you know, into reading comics in the era of people having massive runs of books. I mean, and that's what I, you know, that's what I love. Uh, and it's not the case for the vast majority of creators are not going to get that. A, you know, a, an editor, a high, a high level editor once told me, if you get 11 issues, we consider that book a great success. And, uh, you know, and that's, it's a, it's a sad, unfortunate truth. And sure. look, and there's some of this, you know, I, I know that there's a mentality among some, you know, editors that if, so-and-so writes a character. They're not going to write it if we relaunch the book with a new number one. A new number yeah. one is going to goose sales, but we're not going to do it with the same creator because readers aren't following that creator. They're going to follow the character and they want to boost. I hate it. I loathe that concept with every fiber of my being, but it's what the publishers uh, feel they need to do to sell books. Yeah, so, okay. Definitely the nature of the... The business which is uh, very strange um we've got um uh, themoth pit i think i've got the name right uh, hi mr bun i bought the last few books of harrow county from you at c2e2 chicago you told me you hoped i enjoyed the ending i just wanted to say i super enjoyed it and thought it was very fitting that's um, awesome that's uh, that's pretty damn cool um also uh, congratulations on um tales from harrow county which i uh, I, I read very very good Excellent yeah. stuff indeed. Thank you. We're, uh, you know, I'm hoping we're going to be doing more of those. So uh, yeah. there, there's more story to be told. But yeah, that Harrow County ending, uh, again, here I am saying that, here I am saying that, uh, you know, you're lucky to get 11 issues of a series. We were able to do exactly what we wanted with Harrow County and end it exactly how we wanted. And that's a rarity in, yeah. in comics. It just, it's a, uh, it, it, so, so we, you know, we were, we were very lucky to be able to to do it and i'm 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 very pleased with how that series ended and i'm, I'm i've been very pleased with the result or with the fan response to it and it's also great that you've been able to return to the uh, the universe as well with this uh, the these new books which is uh, which is cool uh, into the blue mister i remember seeing uh, this type of one page ads i think we, we're definitely we're talking about deepest catacombs yeah. in white dwarf in the late 80s my yeah. god okay that's my childhood just slap, <laughs> slapping me about a bit for a second white dwarf good now god. you want to go and collect all the back issues with white dwarf that's how oh. i that's how my brain works someone <laughs> white dwarf to me and i'm like i gotta go get those white dwarf back issues uh, are, are you are you a hoarder because i mean the one thing that i've been hearing uh, whenever i sort of like watch podcasts and stuff i mean i know that you've been um kind of uh, re collecting the uh, old floppies of uh, un un uncanny x-men yes uh, the uh, how far well number one how far have you got with that by the way i need six issues okay fair enough <laughs> and um when it comes to your collection when it comes to your comics um are you a floppies or a trades kind of guy i'm now more of a trade I, I more of a hardcover uh, I, I love hardcovers wow. now that's i mean that's what i i really like um, one of the things I, I like floppies for is I have my comics bound now, so I'll take my floppy comics and have them bound into hardcover. Oh, nice! So uh, uh, I have you know dozens of those now, and I because I can get books 
and and have them collected in ways that I might not, you know, sometimes books that are never going to get collected or may never get collected. I have them in hardcover on my shelf. And the interesting thing about that is it's gotten me into reading those old floppies again. Uh, you know, if I just put them in a box, I'm not going to read them. They're going to sit in a box forever. But they're on a shelf in there, and I, I can go and read old issues of Ghosts from DC or Micronauts or Shogun Warriors because I've got them bound on a shelf where I can just grab it, pull it off, and read them. So from that perspective, I'm still, I still like floppies. But my you know I, there's a closet in there of comics that is just a disaster and i'll i'll pull them out every now and again say here i'm going to organize these comics and then about an hour and a half two hours in i am so sick of comic books i'm just like i gotta get i don't want to touch them i don't want to look at them i just throw them back in a box they go back in the closet probably more disorganized than they were to begin with um Fair enough. maybe a little bit of a hoarder though i mean i uh i'm definitely uh you know, I definitely get mixed up with nostalgia and I go through and it hits me in like it hits me like a sledgehammer. I'll you know, I'll not be thinking about anything. Um, I mean, it just happened yesterday. I was not I haven't thought about these books in years. And I stumbled onto an old copy of one of the myth adventure books by Robert Asprin, the novels. And suddenly I've got to look and see how many of those novels are out. And there's 20 something of them. And I'm like, I got to have them all because I need that. You know, I loved them when I was a kid. And, uh, and it'll pass if I don't, if I don't worry about it, that nostalgia will pass. But for right now, I really want to hit eBay right now and go see where I can find all those old books. Yeah. I mean, when I've been speaking to creators uh, and uh, talent over the course of the, the summer, um, it's, it really is one way or the other. Uh, people have been either saying that they've been um, voraciously going through like Kickstarter or brand new, you know, stuff that they did have not discovered before and really kind of voraciously going through brand new content or yeah. they've been going comfort food and going back to the old, uh, going back to their collections, going through their old uh, comics, rewatching friends again um, and just kind of going through the old stuff. I'm, I'm guessing you're very much the latter. You're someone who's been going I don't know. through. I, I kind of feel like I, I straddle both sides of that, that fence because uh, my Kickstarter addiction is is very uh, very troubling to my family. <laughs> uh, I love I you know so I was thinking about this just a couple of days ago why I like these Kickstarters and I had just gotten some stuff and uh, I love the feel you know when you go to a convention um, and there's books that you've seen a thousand times every copy of this you've seen forever but there's some sort of for me there's sort of a, a joy to finding these things at convention tables that i can't get at the store uh, a book that someone self-published or a book that you haven't seen i love those so i have a uh, kickstarter kind of fuels that for me i get that feeling of something different something special fair enough uh, I, I mean, for myself, I mean, I've been going through my old. I've been, I have been doing the Star Wars run, uh, the the Marvel uh, Star Wars run, because um, it was the book that kind of really, really got me back into uh, sure. collecting comics again. And um, yeah, the the Darth Maul run, uh, which you did, the six issue, and also the the Star Wars annual as well, was um, a, a real big highlight of uh, of that reread. Um, Thank you. When it, when, if you can talk about that, just, I mean, let's put it this way. I'm on brand today. Uh, I've, I've got my Star Wars. Yeah, where is it? Ugh! I've got my, I've got my mask. It is a Star Wars mask. 
And I've got my Star Wars T-shirt on. I've been on brand today. Um, yeah, if you could talk about Darth Maul and who approached who when it came to taking on that character, and um, yeah, how did that series come about? Well, I had a, I was working with Jordan White at Marvel on a lot of the Deadpool stuff. So I did a lot of Deadpool books with Jordan, and he was also uh, handling the Star Wars titles. And I had told him a couple of times at conventions or at Marvel, you know, retreats or whatever that uh, I really wanted a shot at uh, some Star Wars books. Um, and he called me one day and said, Colin, we have a Star Wars book for you. And I said, yes. <laughs> he, he said, I haven't even told you what it is yet. And I said, well, I'm going to do it. Because at the time, my son was very, I mean, he still is, but he was very into Star Wars. And I thought, hey, this will impress my kid. <laughs> um, it didn't. But really? uh, he's not interested. He's not impressed by comics. Uh, but I was excited that it was Darth Maul. To me, Darth Maul was the highlight. I think to most people, Darth Maul was the highlight of the Phantom Menace. Um, and I liked him in uh, the Clone Wars stuff. So I was excited to do a Darth Maul story. Um, I was a little nervous going into it because you, when you work on licensed properties, uh, especially sort of a, where you're going a double license because you're dealing with Marvel and Lucasfilm. You never know what you're going to, you know, how problematic it's going to be, how, how much of a headache it's going to be. But it was such a delight. I mean, it was, it was just so easy. Uh, Lucasfilm was, were the, the folks at Lucasfilm were so great to work with. They were, uh, they were additive to the process. So, you know, there were things like, I was like, I want to put a raft tar in it. And uh, instead of instead of them saying, well, we don't know if we want to do it. They were like, that's awesome. Let's put it on the world that we see in the in the Star Wars Lego video game. You know, they were able to tell me the things that I might not know about the bigger mythology of the bigger you know universe and, and help me add to it. So uh, they were completely uh, I mean, just just a delight to work with throughout that throughout both the Star Wars projects I worked on. That's really cool. Um, I think also the, the artwork was um, a brilliant uh, on both books. Uh, very unique, very distinctive, especially the, the Darth Maul uh, run. Uh, but you've always been able to, uh, you've been very lucky in the way that you've uh, paired up with uh, incredible artists. I mean, if we can just go back to Six Gun uh, and talk about um, that kind of, the, the collaboration with, uh, uh, with Brian Hurt um, and just, how on earth did you two come together because that that is that's serendipity right there you, i mean it, it, we'll talk about two creators that have found each other yeah well uh so fresh out of college i got a job at a comic book store as you do as you do and uh brian hurt also worked at he, we i managed one store and brian managed another store and we we you know we became friends at, you know, the corporate store meetings and sometimes he'd be at my shop or I'd be at his. So we became friends over that, over that time. And, uh, I realized, you know, we, I found out he was an aspiring comic artist. He knew I wanted to tell stories and we used to get together. <laughs> we used to get together at either his apartment or my house. And we'd sit and talk about, uh, you know, stories we want to tell and spooky stories and things. And I remember many times where, uh, I don't want this to make either one of us sound bad, but I remember times where I was scared to walk out to my car after we'd be coming up with these story ideas, or he was scared to walk out his car. So we had to like 
you know, watch each other and make sure we got to the car safely because we were coming up with some crazy, uh, crazy stuff in these meetings. And uh, uh, it took a, it took a long time. I mean, it took it was ten years or more after that. But Brian and I became friends. We were always pitching comics together, trying to put series, uh, you know, put put book series together. Uh, we pitched a series to Oni Press that predates The Damned uh, called Penny Dreadful. Oh wow. Which was sort of it was a, it was sort of a supernatural mystery about uh, some scumbag detectives that lived across the street from Sherlock Holmes, um, and it was it was an awesome series. It would have been great, uh, and we still talk about going back and doing something with that world. We'd have to change the title now, but we well, did yeah. something with that world. Um, but so we pitched that it didn't go, and then the next thing we pitched was The Damned, um, and only only bit on that right away. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'll work with Brian Hurt till the day I die, if uh, if I have if I have my druthers. Uh, I mean, we're we're talking right now about the next thing we're doing together. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's for me, it's been a shame to see um, the pair of you come so close to having the story of Six Gun evolve uh, on the comic page. Um, uh, pilots come close. Uh, if you could briefly talk about that because i know that you were on set when they the pilot got shot um yeah. and um when it um it didn't uh, get picked up but is how possessive are you of story when it comes to the comic being the comic and then just letting the project fly and letting other people pick up the reins and and run with it uh, how how much ownership do you have for yourself when it comes to a project like that um because obviously well, you went you you went on set you were you were excited to have the uh, the characters come to life. Yeah, and you know with the the NBC pilot they kept us very involved. I mean from the you know, we were involved every step of the way from uh, I mean we were seeing the you know we were having conversations with the producers and the initial screenwriters. We were all we were seeing every version of the screenplay and giving feedback on that screen on the screenplay as it came along. We watched all the casting videos, which that was surreal. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, and we saw all the dailies. So we were getting all the dailies when, you know, when it was being shot and, and then we were on set. Um, so they kept us probably more involved than, well, definitely more involved than they needed to. Uh, over time, you know, my, my feeling is the comic is the comic. Uh, a media adaptation is its own thing. And readers of the comic can enjoy that on its own, or they can enjoy it with the media adaptation and get something different out of it. Uh, or they can, you know, same with the, the folks who watch the TV show or the movie. They can love that without ever reading the comic. But if they read the comic, maybe they get something else, a little different. Um, over time, uh, I've changed my tune on some of that. I'm becoming more possessive of it uh, because, uh, you know, the thing I don't want to happen is... Uh, for ad an adaptation to be made that's unrecognizable that's the that's i i get that there's no such thing as a you know a, you know a, they're not going to ad adapt a comic and it's going to be you know panel for panel shot for shot on the movie or a tv show yeah. uh but uh it has to be recognizable or i kind of feel like what's the point and uh and that's so i over time i become a little more of a 
I'm not a stick in the mud. I don't get in the way of progress, but I, I definitely make sure my voice is heard on, uh, on, you know, on those types of types of deals. Oh, yeah. and, you know, there's all sorts of stuff going on and there's all those, those wheels turn very slowly. Yeah. Um, I'm reminded of the um, the Douglas Adams quote of uh, having a project made in Hollywood, which is basically having a, a row of people coming in. You're trying to cook a steak by having a row of people come into a room and breathing one by one <laughs> on, a, on, the, on the steak. I, I remember that quote. Um, I, have you been watching any of the kind of adaptations that have uh, made it to the screen uh, over the last couple of years? Uh, I'm, I'm thinking The Boys. I'm thinking lock and key. I mean, I'm sure. Like, well, I'll tell you that I'll, I love. You'll be you'll be familiar with the original book and how they were translated to, yeah. to live screen. Yeah, I love the boys as a TV show. I love the book, but I love the boys as a TV show. I think it's uh, it is the like the the new episodes. The three new episodes just aired a couple of days ago, and I of course watched them as soon as that you know as soon as I could. That you know I was like, and I'm watching all three. And if they had released ten episodes, I'd have probably sat there and watched all ten episodes. Um, I can't I, believe there's been grief for that. But I, I, online, there's been grief that it's not all being dumped in one go, so people can binge it. I, you see, I think it's a generational thing. I'm, I'm a big, I'm an episodic guy. I'm a guy that likes an idea of a week to just digest and rewatch yeah. if needs be. I, I can, I have binged plenty of shows, but you know what I don't like about it is that feeling at the end of binging where you're just like, oh, there's not a, I don't have to next week i don't get another episode yeah. what and you know it's that so that part i'm not a you know i like that they're kind of doling it out a little bit mandalorian doled it out you know we you know i was able to get an episode a week and that was fun and i had something to look forward to over the week um if i had had the opportunity i'd have probably binged it and watched the whole thing <laughs> that's you know my addictive personality but uh but i like that i was able to to watch it you know, in small increments weekly. Creep Show on Shutter did the same thing. They released yeah. it once a week, and that was a, uh, I think that was very successful for them. So it's okay for the folks who are upset that it's binging. It's okay to want something for a little while. It's okay yeah. to, to kind of jones for it until it gets. I wouldn't it. have enjoyed Legion. I wouldn't have enjoyed Watchmen if I'd have binged it. Um, I, if, I mean, for a kickoff with Watchmen, that would have been just so heavy a meal. Just to take all well, that yeah. and go. Um, yeah, that's yeah. true. There's, some shows just aren't made. I just recently rewatched uh, Hannibal, and I decided to binge it. That show's far too dark and heavy. And I was kind of, I was watching two or three episodes of Hannibal, and then I was watching uh, True Detective. That's not a good combo. And, it <laughs> and the and the dark cloud starts falling yeah. over Cullen. It, it was a terrible idea. It was oh, such no. a dreary. Uh, experience. I shouldn't have done it, and I need to remind myself of that. Fair so, but uh, you know, I, I'm binging Cobra Kai right now. My son is watching Cobra Kai, and we're binging that. It's hard to, you know, and and we he had never watched Stranger Things, so we just watched Stranger Things a couple of weeks ago, and we blew through the you know those three seasons. <laughs> yeah, cool. Uh, I mean, for me, I'm really curious to see about what comes next when it comes to pop culture and films and television considering that this year we've had uh, the industry pretty much come to a, a halt uh, we've got this new um production or the new normal basically uh, uh, affecting production and i'm really curious i mean the big fear for me and i think for most audiences is that we're going to just get this glut 
of Zoom call based thrillers and uh, or socially uh, distanced dramas, all, all based on isolation. Uh, I mean, speaking to creators over the summer, the running theme is that we are too close to the thing right now to right. kind of to really get a sense of what we're going to uh, see moving forward and talking about the uh, pandemic. But what do you see possibly as a, a style or a genre down the line? How we, we what could be coming down the line off the back of all of this? Well, first of all, I, I, you know, I definitely think we're going to get a lot of those, which you're going to get them anyway, call, the Zoom call uh, shows. And it's too late. It's already been done. Uh, Shudder just released Host, which is a Zoom, uh, a Zoom based horror movie. Oh, and it's amazing. It is. Oh, okay. It is absolutely. Uh, it is the scariest thing I've ever watched on. I mean, in years, it's terrifying. So it's too late. It's already been done. No, it can't. That host can't be topped as a Zoom based horror movies or movie. So stop doing. Don't even worry about it. Uh, by you know the the old saying is by the time you've thought it through, thought that up, it's already too late. You gotta you know you're by the time you've caught up with that trend, it's too late to to do it. But definitely go watch host on Shutter if you have it because it's awesome. Cool. I think we're gonna see a lot of animated. Uh, a, a lot more animated stuff coming out. Um, I mean, there's some great adult-based animated stuff right now, but I think we're going to see, uh, you know, some different approaches to, to animation. Where I think we're going to see some different genres, uh, some different styles of animated shows, um, and 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 I'm excited for that. But I think we'll get back to you know, Hollywood's not going to let us uh, is not going to sit this one out for too long. No. Uh, if anything, because I think, um, yeah, people are wanting um, content. They're, I mean, we've seen it. We've had this embracing of uh, of new uh, content and people are wanting. There's a definite voraciousness for it. I mean, when people are willing to spend money on Mulan uh, right. as a as a, a bonus payment for, on their Disney uh, yeah. uh, subscription, it's, it speaks volumes. It's true. And I think, you know, I think that delivery model, look, streaming's already been, you know, that ball is just rolling and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But it's going to that, that delivery model for uh, new content, new features. I think we're going to see more of that. Um, I mean, the money's there and people are willing to pay it. So, yeah. Uh, when it comes to Cullen Bunn, then um, what's kind of. You, do you feel that you would be uh, interested in uh, uh, generating down the line? Because I, when I, I saw you on a, a, a podcast, I, well, we'll talk about mainframe in a minute. Uh, but uh, when you were on there, we, you were talking about um, science fiction. And that's something that um, intrigued you as a, a genre that you'd like to really get it, your teeth into. Um, you didn't actually expand on uh, the type of science fiction you'd like to do. Is it hard sci-fi, sci-fi fantasy? What's... Uh, is, like, there a, is, is there a, a Star Wars or is it more <laughs> Blade Runner? What, what's, what's take a look of... around, man. Yeah. I like it all. You know, I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm you know I love all those different flavors of, of of almost every genre. You know, I'm a I, I really love sort of hardcore, gritty, realistic science fiction, but I also love that. You know, I love people flying around on dragons and shooting people with laser <laughs> blasters and. Uh, you know, I love all that stuff too. So, um, it's for me, it's it's tough not to come up with lots of different ideas. And I'm, you know, I'm definitely doing uh, 
some besides deepest catacombs i'm definitely working on what i would consider sort of epic fantasy stuff right now um that that's a little ways out there still but uh i've got you know a number of fantasy comics that are in the works at different publishers a number of horror comics uh some horror comedy that's at the work in the works with different publishers um and then i'm also expanding beyond comics i you know i've got uh you know, when I get done with this interview, I've got edits on a novella that's coming out with a publisher that I'm not allowed to talk about yet. Uh, and I'm going to be doing a lot more uh, prose stuff as well. I've, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm really enjoying getting back into that in a bigger way. Uh, and then I've got a lot of uh, middle reader and young adult stuff that's coming out uh, in the near future as well. Well, it sounds like the uh, that uh, pandemic-induced kind of slowing down has been uh, broken through. It's got to be. It's got to be. <laughs> yeah. you know, at this point, uh, at this point, I I can't afford to. True. You know, I, I gave myself some time, and everybody needs time. But now it's also now, uh, and there are still days where I don't feel like doing the work, and I just have to power through it. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I can't. Uh, I can't uh i can't just sit and wait any longer so sure i mean for most creators i can imagine that the, the con convention circuit is something which allows you to break that week up and break the month up to go off and meet fans and uh go to new places and uh, that's something that's been kind of taken away from a lot of creators over this year but obviously with virtual conventions we've had that um filling the void uh, I mentioned mainframe because uh, that was something that I saw you on, and I'm you, I'm certain that you are more than familiar away your way around Zoom and Streamyard at this point. You yes. know you know your your virtual cons. How have you um, seen virtual con conventions this year? Is it a stopgap or is it something that you feel will be carried forward even when we get conventions back up and running? Yeah, I think this will be a, we will always have this, this at now virtual conventions are going to be going, I think we'll see them uh, from this day forward. Um, I think we'll even see, we'll see a lot of actual conventions uh, that are going to incorporate more of this virtual, the more of the virtual mode into, you know, into it as well um, for people who can't go to the shows. Um, so, yeah. And I think, publishers and creators are going to get more involved in and the media are, are going to be doing these things for those weeks i mean there's a convention almost during the height of convention season there's a convention almost everywhere every weekend yeah. but uh we all know we can't go to all of those and uh i think this i think virtual conventions will be a way for us to for people to to just be more involved as we go forward um so I think we'll always have it. Uh, the the one thing I don't feel that I get from uh, from the virtual conventions that is something that I you know one is the face to face react interaction with the with the fans, you know at a table or whatever. I enjoy that when I'm at those conventions. I'm, I mean I'm pretty much at that table the entire time. I may take a little break to go dig through comics somewhere, but I usually am at the table the entire time because I enjoy interacting with the people who come up. Um, but one of the things I always feel conventions are tough on me. They're, you know, they're exhausting. They take time away from the, you know, from actual work schedule. Uh, but I always kind of leave them feeling energized and, uh, and ready to work on something new or develop ideas. And, and that's the thing I'm probably, 
those are the two things that I miss the most. Sure. I think also, the, I mean, when you talk to um, creatives and they say, considering that we barely get to see each other anyway, anyway and it's only at conventions uh, when we kind of, certainly when the, the, the doors have closed and Barcon kicks in and we're able to actually finally catch up with everybody. So, yeah, I think uh, uh, the virtual conventions, we're seeing each other, but it's definitely um, odd to have that uh, through the, the prism of a, of a, a camera. For but, sure. Um, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll see how next year goes. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll let you get off and enjoy the rest of your Sunday and uh, say thank you very much indeed for joining us. And we do hope to see you at a convention um, and certainly here back in the UK as well, because um, we'd love to get you back over in this uh, side of the pond. Yeah, um, I'd love, because, to, love to come to another one there for sure. Yeah, but um, I'm guessing that is some way away for yourself. Um, what's what, what was it going to take to get you on a plane? Uh, <laughs> a convention nowadays well are we, are we talking next summer summer or are we talking a little bit further beyond it it's all going to depend on uh you know how how safe i feel the world is you know yeah. it's the it's it's not something as much as i miss them i'm not rushing i'm not the guy who's going to rush back into doing shows again if i don't feel it's uh it's safe for me and the fans and my friends and my family uh, you know, it's, uh, like I said, cons are a lot of work and getting sick at a con is not, you know, is not worth it. You know, it's, yeah. it's just that. I mean, I mean, considering in 2020, the idea of, um, uh, con crud has just been taken up a whole other notch. Um, well, I mean, look, you know, the last show I went to was C2E2 in Chicago and this was yeah. right before, you know, there was talk of the of, of COVID and, and, and the dangers of COVID, and it was out there, but we hadn't locked down the way we had. And I don't know what happened, but I was as sick after Chicago as I have ever been, and I was sick for a week. And uh, I have not uh, gotten the antibody test to see if I have developed antibodies because uh, my family was super sick, and uh, it scared me. You know, it was a it was a scary time after that show. Yeah. Um... Like I say, I work as a DJ. Um, I was as same drill. I was as sick as I've ever been from around Christmas through to about uh, February, end of February, March. Yeah, uh, so who knows? I, I, yeah, it, you, you don't know, do you? You just you, there's a definite. Yeah, and uh, you know, idea. look, con crud in general is awful, and I do everything I can to avoid it. I mean, <laughs> before Chicago, I was getting vitamin infusions like through IV bags because I wanted wow. to avoid avoid getting sick at a convention i just uh, or after a convention because it just knocks you out of work for so long for me yeah. and uh it didn't work this time whatever that was that got me after uh chicago was uh ungodly it was yeah. it was awful well i mean i'm glad that to see that you're back up to some kind of speed i'm, yeah. glad, that, I'm glad that the the um the, the summer we'll call it a hiatus shall we we'll call it a pause I'm glad yeah. that's now been broken through oh, and you're back up to creating. And it's great to see, um, like I say, the, the, the stuff that you are doing. Like I say, Tales from Harrow County is a stunning book. Um, Deepest Catacombs is something I've really been enjoying. The uh, fourth, uh, fourth strip drops uh, middle of this week. Yeah. I really would recommend everybody to go and check that out on uh, and that's, Yeah, and it's on my Patreon, but it's completely, I mean, I release those pages to my patrons a few days early, but then it's open to the public. So, yeah, 
Uh, in fact, what I'll do is really quickly, if we, I was going to just uh, find your uh, Patreon address, but um, I've just got the post on the, uh, I was going to put the uh, address up. Yeah, I'm guessing uh, Cullen, um, sorry, patreon.com slash Cullen Bun. That's it. There yeah. we go. Uh, well worth checking out. Um, is there any other books that are coming coming down the line that you can tell us about and uh, that you can uh, kind of, yeah, put on, so, the, put on, the, put on the salesman hat and uh, share with us? Yeah, so uh, I have the Cyberpunk 2077 course, yes. uh, uh, comic tie-in uh, drops this Wednesday, I guess. The first issue comes out, um, I think. Anyway. Because I, I was going to ask you about the other stuff that you've been consuming over COVID and gaming and stuff, and I'm I'm guessing you're still quite big in, in your gaming. Yeah, I, well, I still play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. I play more Dungeons and Dragons now than I have in years. So <laughs> because of and that is all thanks to you know uh, Zoom and being able to create groups that you know I'm I'm playing Dungeons and Dragons with the, a guy that I played D and D with in junior high. So, and, and we haven't played in, you know, in decades and decades, but now thanks to this and the, you know, uh, thanks to zoom, we're a, a roll 20.net. We're playing D and D again. Nice. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, it's still, still some games. I play, I don't play very many video games because I'm not okay. good at them, but, uh, they, they get, I like them, but then I get frustrated. Um, but uh, but yeah, the, the Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven Trauma Team number one comes out this week. It's a uh, whether you play the Cyberpunk game or going to play the Cyberpunk video game or not, you'll be able to enjoy this. It's a you know dystopian cyberpunk world um, that it's set in the the world of the video game, but it's its own story. Cool. So that's coming out. Uh, I have a, a a book from Harper Collins. I don't have the release date yet. Uh, that's coming out next year uh, called The Ghoul Next Door, which is a, a middle reader uh, horror graphic novel that I'm doing with Kat Ferris. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and uh, uh, I think AWA has at least released the cover. So uh, I'll, uh, I'm doing a book called Bite Sized for them, which is sort of a, a, a another uh, middle reader uh, graphic novel that I'm doing with them that I think drops in December, the first issue. Uh, which is about uh, little robots causing havoc in a to a fa in a family's house on Christmas, um, and then I've got like I said I have if I were to pan the camera slightly over here you'd see my board of projects, and I have a ton of a ton of other creator on work that will be coming out in the next uh, next year so stay tuned and I still got and that's not even talking about Shadow Man from Valiant which has well, got yeah. delayed. Uh, but is going to be coming out uh, at some point in the near future. I just don't have the I don't have the final release date yet. Yeah, I can imagine that you sometimes look at that whiteboard and see the projects upcoming, and a small trickle of blood comes out of one ear, and you just <laughs> out of ship. <laughs> yes, that's exactly <laughs> how, that's how it works. Yeah, you've got work. But so yeah. in that case. We'll let you get off and uh, enjoy your Sunday because uh, I'm often stunned that I even get any kind of guests on a Sunday coming on to talk to us because I'm sure that they just want, what, 
can we have our weekend to ourselves, please? Um, yeah. But um, no, I'm glad. I'm so glad that you uh, agreed to come on and talk to us. And thank you so much indeed. I appreciate um, you inviting me. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Um, once again, um, best place for people to keep up to date with your projects. Is it your Patreon? Is it Twitter? Is it? So I don't, uh, yeah, I've got a website, which is CullenBun.com. Twitter, at CullenBun, is a great place to interact with me. And then, yeah, I have my Patreon, which is Patreon slash CullenBun. Excellent stuff. And hopefully we'll see you at a convention, virtual or not, That's right. down the line as well. Um, uh, do you have a, a virtual convention coming down the line? Is there any of those coming up? Uh, I don't think I have. Uh, on my own. <laughs> you, you can take a breather. You're done, you're yeah. done for a Well, no, I think next week is a, a, a local comic shop, Phoenix Comics, here in Missouri, is doing like a virtual uh, anniversary party. So I'm going to be taking part in that. Uh, and then, you know, I've got interviews and things like that, but, uh, I don't think I have any virtual conventions on the books, but that's the interesting thing about the virtual convention is that they can pop up <laughs> like that. and, and you don't, they, they don't need a lot of lead time to, to get creators involved. Fair enough. Well, I mean, like I say, we look forward to seeing you uh, at a convention, either virtual, IOL, whichever. And, of course, we look forward to reading more of your fantastic work. Cullen, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you so Same much to you, for man. coming on. Thank you. Take care. Enjoy your weekend. You too. All the rest of it. Excellent. Um, there you go. Cullen Bunn, uh, fantastic uh, conversation. And thank you very much indeed for him for coming on. Um, we are going to very quickly get into some convention news because, of course, we have got some bits and pieces that are happening over the course of the next seven days. So uh, we are going to be talking uh, about uh, that. Um, of course, anything else that you want to get into, uh, if you want to dive in on the uh, chat now, do let us know. Aaron Nabus um, has uh, made a comment, and I should have brought it up when uh, Colin was on uh, screen. More virtual conventions that aren't free anymore, for sure. Yes. Um, this is... Off, I, I'm certain that uh, Aaron brings this up um, off the back of something that I saw this week as well uh, regarding um, the um, the conversation regarding DC Fandom about uh, that uh, Warner Brothers and AT&T are actively looking into how to monetize an event like DC Fandom which is completely understandable considering I guarantee they looked at the uh, the press release that they sent out. Uh, 22 million unique views, uh, 220 countries. Um, and I guarantee they just blinked that they put this thing out for free. Um, yes, it's one giant advert for upcoming projects. Um, you've only had, out of all of them, I think it was only one that is kind of like very imminent. The rest are down the line. They, this was to generate interest. But um, any kind of income, that's the way it's going to be. Um, I'm certain that uh, when we've been talking about DC Fandom and about what it could look like next year uh, in a physical space, I guarantee there's going to be um, some merch and some nice tasty ticket prices because they're going to be looking at monetizing this interest that has been generated by this um, event. But there we go. A couple of the free... Like I say, the, for now, though, it is free. And let's talk about... Um, the events which are coming down the line, uh, considering that um, this week uh, we have ourselves Star Trek Day, uh, which is happening on the air on the eighth. Uh, let's have a look at the um, the date. That's on Tuesday, so it's, uh, it's it's literally just down the road. Um, we're talking um, a celebration of all the uh, Star Trek fandoms, everything from original series and the animated series 
all the way through the films, through uh, Discovery, through Picard, through Lower Decks. Everything's going to get um, celebrated in one day. The one thing about Star Trek Day which kind of confuses me is how quickly this has just kind of crept up. Um, it's been, I understand, arranged and organised over some time, but for some strange reason it really does feel that um, the actual event itself has come out of nowhere. Um, it just seems uh, that CBS All Access... Um, I don't know if they've really got their head around what it takes to organise a fandom. A fandom. <laughs> fandom. Get it right. Um, but it's up and running. Panels starting at 12pm um, Pacific, so that's 8pm here in the UK. Thanks for that. Much appreciated. Uh, first panel, you've got uh, Discovery, Deep Space Nine, Strange New Worlds, um, the Star Trek original series, Voyager 25th Anniversary, Star Trek Enterprise, Star Trek Lower Decks, and Picard in the Next Generation. Uh, that's going to be your panels. Um, and if you are a Star Trek fan, join Will Wheaton and Mika Burton for three hours of free virtual programmings. I know that the program or the uh, the panel for or the Star Trek panel that they did for um, uh, the uh, San Diego Comic Con at home. It was three shows crammed into an hour, and most of it was um, that uh, reading from uh, Discovery. That's a lot of stuff crammed into a, a, not a great deal of time. And I'm wondering if they are not embracing and doing more with this. This seems a lot of a, a crush, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it's not um, a wasted opportunity. But there we go. Then you have um, next weekend um, something even bigger, which is, of course, uh, DC Fandom, uh, which is going to be returning five days and counting. Let's have a look at the schedule. Of course, uh, it was paired back from the Hall of Heroes, which uh, if we actually bring up the Hall of Heroes uh, program, it's exactly the same as it was. What they're actually going to do with the Hall of Heroes over the course of the week next weekend, I'm really curious. Are they just going to re-show this 24-hour stream again. I don't see why they shouldn't, but um, we'll see what happens. Uh, we've got um, the Watchverse, we've got Insiderverse. All of this, of course, kicking off um, at, um, at 6 o'clock on the Saturday and running throughout the course of the weekend. Everything from um, the uh, the Harley Quinn episode, uh, Harley Quinn animated series, Joker War, Three Jokers, uh, lots of the comics and animated um, uh, stuff uh, that's uh, been uh, lined up interspersed with the likes of uh, the TV uh, content as well so you have the likes of Legends of Tomorrow Stargirl, Doom Patrol all of the other things basically everything that we were hoping we were going to be seeing um, a couple of weeks ago uh, with the, uh, the the full fandom but you have the Watchverse you have uh, Insiderverse which was very much behind the scenes I'm really, I'm curious about this stuff. To be honest, this is my, this is my jam. Um, look behind the music, the um, the new Batmobile for the uh, the Batman um, artist um, drawing um, sessions with the likes of Emanuela Lipicino, Art Germ, which is going to be fascinating. That's the This is the kind of this is the uh, the hall you're going to find me a lot of. Um, again, the concern I have is much in the same way as we had with the Hall of Heroes and with the last one. How much interaction we're going to get with the fans. And I'm hoping that they've learned something from that. And there's going to be more of an interaction in terms of social media 
and involving the fans otherwise it really is just going to be an info dump um even san diego comic-con had some kind of communication but not much i'm just hoping that these virtual conventions aren't closing the walls off and that it's just basically a one big screen um, there needs to be a dialogue there needs to be a communication otherwise quite frankly again what is the point um again I, i'll be watching i'll be uh, paying close attention to uh, what they're going to be getting up to um uh, the lego fun zone sounds fun um yeah i mean there's this stuff that's going to be happening in for 24 hours um it, it speaks volumes that the stuff that they are in fact doing isn't being repeated like in four hour blocks like it had with uh, the hall of heroes last time around it is content throughout the course which is a non-stop uh, flow uh, which means for those going through the night they're going to be slightly lost uh, because there's going to be stuff that people are going to miss um uh, it, it, yeah it, it, this is the slightly different approach to uh, the dc fandom hall of heroes before in that um whereas before it was kind of like a uh, i think it was six hour block eight hour block repeated three times so there was people across the globe that could see the content this time, if you don't see it first time round, you're going to miss it. It's as simple as that. Um, the, the, and there's some really good, cool stuff in here, um, which I'm hoping that, like I say, people aren't going to uh, kind of uh, miss, unfortunately, because it's only going to be on once or twice. Uh, well, uh, once by the looks of things. Um, plenty of stuff in uh, this particular hall be... Uh, the U-verse, uh, which is the representing of the fans. Um, but, uh, I mean, for example, if we go to uh, to Watchverse, I mean, uh, if we kind of go through into the uh, the middle of the night, um, I'm just, I'm wondering how, I'm wondering how put, uh, pick and choosing this is going to be. At the end of the day, we're going to find out next week. Um, I'm I'm just curious to see how they're going to do fandom. Is it going to be a slightly different approach? Is it going to be um, uh, a more pick and choose uh, on video on demand uh, setup? We'll find out next week. Um, right, and I think that's pretty much me. Uh, of course, if there's anything else that you want to dive into and uh, to discuss, do find me on my social medias. You can find me on Englishman SDCC on Twitter and on um, uh, Periscope and uh, on Twitch if you really feel the need. And of course, you can keep up to date with what we're getting up to on Facebook as well. An Englishman in San Diego is probably the best place to go for things like that. That has been our show. Hope you've enjoyed it. Do take care. Um, enjoy the rest of your week. Um, for now, we have no incidental episodes booked for the middle of this week again, um, which means I don't know what to do with myself. Uh, I mean, I've been possibly thinking about getting in touch with the creative team behind uh, the comic Inkblot, which I've really been enjoying, uh, but um, I'm tempted to uh, uh, get in touch with them. If there's any creatives that you feel that you would like me to interview and uh, get on TalkingCon, even if it's um, on one of our incidental episodes, get in contact with me uh, by direct message or uh, on uh, social media. Just message me, tag them into it, let them know that we're around and uh, that we exist. And uh, do let us know um, what uh, you would like to see on future episodes of Talking Con. Speaking of which, let's uh, very quickly remind you one more time of the uh, uh, the really cool uh, um, episodes that we've got coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, these are I'm I'm thrilled that we're getting the chance to uh, talk 
to uh, the likes of Julie Tate, uh, who's the director of Lakes Festival. That's next Sunday. Sunday after that, the 20th of September, we are talking to the creative team behind That Texas Blood from Image Comics. Chris Condon and Jacob Phillips are going to be coming on uh, and talking about that. Elsa Chatirier, who's an incredible artist. Looking forward to talking to her. I can say that we've also got Jason in, uh, in, uh, down the line. We do have confirmed that we're going to be talking to um, Scotty Young in November. I've got all sorts of uh, stuff and nonsense and people lined up. But, of course, we want to talk to the people you want me to talk to. So do dump, jump in on the social media. Let us know who you feel the, uh, we should be uh, talking to and we'll do what we can. Uh, Dan Berry is letting us know about um, DC Fandom. Uh, most of these are available on demand, uh, hence the um, 10 a.m. Uh, times on screen. So that's cool. I mean, that I'm down with. Um, I'm okay with it. Is it going to be just available for that 24 hours then? Um, in that case, it's a case of squeezing as many of the panels in over the course of 24 hours. Um, over the, <laughs> interesting that it's over the course of the uh, Saturday night into Sunday morning. So, yeah. Well, for me here in the UK anyway. So looks like my uh, Sunday is going to be pretty busy catching up with DC fandom stuff. So there we go. Right. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Hope you've enjoyed it. Um, of course, the audio version of this is going to be live on SoundCloud, iTunes, and also on Spotify as of 12 p.m. tomorrow on Monday. And then the full video of this will be available on my YouTube channel, uh, which is going to be on Wednesday. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Um, Aaron Nabus, thank you. Thanks again for an awesome show. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed today. That was a, a lot of fun. It was good to talk to uh, Cullen, considering it's been a long time coming and it's been good to uh, finally get him on the show. So that was great. Again, I, uh, we show the names at the end. Um, as far as I'm aware, there's been nobody that's dropped off, uh, but there's also been nobody that's uh, kind of joined us. We are going to try and encourage more people to join us on the Patreon page. But for those people that are Patreon supporters, you are watching this now, I really appreciate uh, all your support because uh, it, it really does, it not only allows me to do what I do, but it validates what I do as well. So I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much indeed. Take care, enjoy the rest of your week. And um, despite, depending on whether we do get any incidental episodes next week, we'll see you next Sunday from the Talking Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego which has gone cold now, but I'm going to drink it anyway. Take care. See you soon. Bye. -bye. <laughs>